G'day, I'm Adam Spencer, and welcome to Telstra Behind the Mic. My guest today is Brad Webb, the CEO of the Samaritans Foundation that provides services to people in need across northern and western regions of New South Wales. Samaritans works to assist people who are homeless, disabled, escaping domestic violence, suffering mental health problems, or in financial hardship. And in December of 2019, pre-COVID in Australia, Samaritans made a major technology shift to a Telstra unified communications platform, which ensured new services could be set up to deliver support at a physical distance whenever possible. This enterprising endeavour has allowed them to provide much-needed services remotely. In recent years, he's been the Deputy CEO, the Acting CEO, and is now the full-fledged CEO. And he's here to tell us about Samaritans, the work and the technological shift within the organisation. So, Brad Webb, welcome to Telstra, behind the mic. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, Brad, for people who don't know about Samaritans, tell us a bit about the organisation. What's, put, put a mission and, and some numbers on it. Samaritans is a regional welfare organisation. We're based out of Newcastle uh, in New South Wales, uh, but our remit extends down to the central coast, up to the mid-north coast and up into the Hunter, and we've got a small outpost in the western regions of New South Wales. We're a social welfare organisation. Our focus is on supporting those in the community that require support uh, for, across a range of services, uh, from disability through to child, youth and family, family preservation, uh, emergency relief, disaster recovery, uh, mental health, early learning centres, a fairly broad range of services, multi-service agency that uh, looks after the vulnerable in our community. And, and, and vaguely, how big is your staffing profile and how many people in the community do you reach out to over any period of time? Over a year, we would touch around 30,000 people in the community wow. in terms of providing supports for them. Uh, and we do that through 800 staff and about 400 volunteers. Now, it's interesting. You guys made the transition to Telstra Calling for Office 365 actually 18 months ago. What, 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 were the, what was the, the key drivers behind a decision to do that? Samaritans had been on a tech journey as we wanted to both increase the efficiency of our organisation, but also adopt some more contemporary operating models across the organisation. For us, communications was a key aspect of that. Uh, we were working in very old clunky systems and not taking advantage of uh, opportunities to bring our teams together, to bring our, uh, our staff together using technology. So the tech journey naturally looked at underlying systems, but it also looked at how we unified our comms across the organisation. Because we operate regionally, we have a range of outposts. What we wanted to do was find ways to bring our teams together to collaborate, uh, but also to be a better interface between our services and our communities. And, and, and was it scary to contemplate a move to the cloud for an organisation like yours? I don't think it was a scary move. I think more so I would speak to the fact that Many organisations perceive investments in technology as being high cost. And for us, that was certainly a consideration. We have an obligation to our, our funders, to our supporters, that we minimise that. But when you actually unpack that uh, reticence, you actually discover that the value proposition is far greater than the initial investment. So uh, for us, once we'd overcome uh, the desire to, or the, the, the concern about cost, we moved very quickly into looking for potential solutions. And I think there was a genuine excitement and drive in the organisation to take this tech journey. Uh, and underpinning that had to be a way in which we could communicate better through the Unified Comms project. And, and, and before we hit the pandemic, what sort of 
benefits were clients receiving from this new technological platform as com- opposed to when services were done you know, the old way? Yeah, it's really interesting because we have that pre and post pandemic uh, opportunity to compare and contrast there. But for uh, for us, the, one of the most telling experiences was in a, a, another minor disaster, which seems a million years ago now, but the bushfire crisis mm-hmm. uh, that we're, we're encountering in the December, January period. Uh, we were able to utif- utilise the unified comms to have a single point of contact uh, and to have mobile devices that could then be deployed to the field that enabled us to provide more direct disaster recovery services uh, in the uh, evacuation centres that we were were working in. So a very tangible example of how mobile technology um, that was integrated and allowed us to communicate back to the main organisation and to people within the organisation um, was very valuable to us. The other benefit from that is we were able to utilise that technology to um, engage our, our volunteers uh, who worked in those disaster recovery centres as well and use it as a communication platform to push out and to reach out communication to them. Now, that previously relied upon really old-fashioned concepts like telephone trees and, mm. uh, and emails. It's interesting. We were speaking with someone from um, an, an ambulance service as well, and, and until recently, when they wanted to know the number of people in different hospital beds and where the spaces were in the system and all that, it was quite an antiquated system that I'm sure many people on the receiving end of it would never have known the sort of system that sat behind the services they were accessing. What was it like for you as a personal journey, Brad? Are you a bit of a tech head yourself, or did you need someone to sort of take your hand and walk with you on the journey? Well, that's an interesting question because uh, the, the answer to the question is I would regard myself as a tech head, but um, interestingly, I had some resistance to migrating uh, some of the files that I used from a uh, traditional server into a cloud-based system, and the pandemic really uh, reinforced a, for me the need to quickly move move across and adopt that technology. So, although I would say I'm a an adopter of technology, there were certainly some clear points of resistance in my own practice. And what the Unified Comms Project has has done, and I think particularly through the pandemic phase, has demonstrated that that fear was unfounded. And once you break old habits and and start engaging in new ones, uh, you wonder how you ever lived without it. And and when the pandemic did hit, what were your main business priorities in trying to manage the Samaritans' response? Well, the clear priority for Samaritans, which was the the same for many organisations, is we we were facing an uncertain future. We knew that this virus was lurking out there and we quickly needed to put the staff who worked for Samaritans and the people we support into place of safety. Our first step was to move as many of our services that were capable of doing so into a working from home environment. I was incredibly impressed uh, at how quickly we were able to take our initial decision to do that and translate that into action. So within a couple of weeks, we had the majority of staff who could work from home, working from home. We had a large number of files that were in the process of making a transition into the Microsoft Teams environment, uh, moved across and translated into that environment. And we had people almost seamlessly slipping into a new way of working uh, without having to think too much about it. Now, that belies the tech guys that were behind the scenes Mm. actually making that happen, and I know they worked incredibly hard. But for the end user, that transition was a pretty seamless, uh, simple experience. Um, And as the pandemic continues and we still have uncertainty about when 
uh, when we will return to uh, an operating environment like we did before, uh, we have confidence that people are able to work safely and effectively from a home environment where they can. It's interesting, isn't it? It's a lot like that analogy of the duck, that to us on the on the, the side of the lake, the duck is just moving serenely across the top of the water while underneath its feet are just paddling away like nobody's business. Um, the, the number of stories I've heard from across different spaces where the technical side of an organisation has stood so tall during the challenges of a pandemic, uh, Telstra built an entirely new, you know, call centre uh, uh, over a brief period of time. One of the major shopping centres had to set up an entirely new distribution centre in practically no time at all. And to watch your technical people stand up, is, it, it, it's, it's, it's quite wonderful in some ways, isn't it? Oh, it's an extraordinary experience to watch and a real privilege, I think. Uh, I think for our technical people too, the, pro- the opportunity to have that professional experience and to really... Uh, shine uh, as as a group of professionals to move to move an organisation so quickly, uh, and with relative calm and with relatively low impact to those people um, is certainly a testament to them and a testament to the underlying technology that's uh, facilitated that. I'm, I'm speaking with Brad Webb. He's the CEO of the Samaritans Foundation. He's talking about the uh, the impact of the pandemic on this wonderful. Uh, not-for-profit. You've spoken a little bit about the impact on your staff and what they can do from home now onto this new cloud system. Brad, let's have a look now at the services you provide people under the new system, both the way you provide the services you used to, and then I'll get into if there's anything new you're doing now in the pandemic. But what was it like transitioning your services to uh, cloud and the impact of the pandemic on that? Look, I'll start with the services that we have that were difficult to move from home. We run a number of residential services uh, that um, require 24-7 face-to-face service delivery. And so for those services, there wasn't a shift uh, to working from home. They had to continue to come into that environment and work in that environment. But what I would say, the technology facilitated a very quick distribution of training, a very quick distribution of messaging and communication uh, that allowed people to be very clear about what they needed to do, how they were being kept safe in that environment and how they could continue to deliver the services that they were. So even though we had some groups that didn't move to working from home, the technology facilitated increased levels of communication and increased levels of connectivity. We also have services that we deliver face-to-face, but for which, because of safety reasons, we had to pull back from. The technology allowed us to move uh, ourselves into an environment of telehealth or telepractice. So we have um, home visitations with families and young people. We deliver therapy services. We deliver mental health services. So we were able to transition some of those services into an online delivery model and continue and ensure continuity of service for the young people, for the families, for the people in need uh, as we as we moved into the COVID-19 phase. So I think the technology was a very valuable tool for us to think about implementing new models of care that might have taken us uh, a much longer time to contemplate, uh, to put in place the systems and to start rolling out. I don't think for many of those uh, new models of care that we will be rushing back to the old way of doing things. We'll be finding a balance, of course. We've already resumed some face-to-face services, in fact, quite a few. But the opportunity now to practice telehealth, telepractice um, is an adjunct to what we were doing before that will 
actually benefit not just us as an organisation, but more importantly, provide flexibility and opportunity for those uh, who are in need of our services to access them. I I spoke uh, elsewhere on this podcast series with the Australian Ballet, who've created new initiatives online. You can you can take dance classes from, you know, principal dancers at the ballet and, and things like that. Has Samaritan's done anything new in the online space, you know, since since this new normal? Did you did you embrace the, the challenge in that way at all? Well, funny you should talk about dance. I did offer to start running Zumba <laughs> classes from my office, but uh, apparently um, that, that wasn't to be. But we do have uh, work that we do in the post-release area, so men and women exiting prison. An important part of that work is creating communities of support. Now, when you can't meet face-to-face, the risk is that that community of support dwindles and as a result of that, people will um, lose the connectivity that was keeping them safe. One of the initiatives that the post-release service did was initiate some um, uh, online exercise classes uh, and creating online forums and opportunities for people to engage. Now, we all know that there's nothing quite like getting together with a group of friends in in real life and person to person, but in the absence of that, being able to stay connected uh, as a group, uh, being able to maintain um, health and fitness and and those initiatives was a really important development for that team. And there are examples of where that's occurred across the organisation where people have tried uh, different ways of group interaction uh, utilising face-to-face video technology. That's interesting, isn't it? Because Telstra Enterprise are are running a campaign at the moment entitled Be Enterprising. And when when a workforce is placed under the sort of stress that yours is in a pandemic, how how important is it that, that, that people are are thinking creatively about problem solving and coming up with something new. I presume your staff are enjoying providing those new services as much as the recipients are benefiting from them. I think the opportunity to innovate in any organisation is often stifled by the day-to-day reality Mm. of doing what you do. So whilst the crisis that we've just been through and continuing to go through is probably something we wouldn't wish for, the silver lining on all of that is it has forced uh, individuals and organisations to think differently about the way that we do things, to think differently about the way that we deliver service. So I think you're right. I think that uh, our, our teams and the people we support have actually enjoyed seeing things shaken up a little bit and contemplating what's possible. I think it's also for for individual practitioners demonstrated that uh, there is potential in innovation uh, and there is a way of moving away from the way you've always done things and thinking more creatively. Um, and technology for us has been an enabler for that kind of innovation. And at the same time, Brad, there's something specific about the sort of services you provide. In, in my limited understanding of your space, it's not just the benefit of that service. It's the human contact that suddenly sometimes comes with it for people who might lack support networks and, and, and human contact in their life. And that whole trust and, and human interaction is sometimes just as important as the particular service you might be providing. What, what have the challenges been and how the Samaritans answered that in terms of maintaining that sort of human contact when face-to-face contact is so limited with, with, with the vulnerable people who you help in the community? That's an interesting and in some ways a vexed question because I think you're right to say that organisations like ours work very much on human-to-human interactions. The ability of technology to uh, emulate the kind of body language, the kind of non-verbal cues that people throw off 
um, is limited by the by the medium of technology. I think it provides a useful adjunct to that. The challenge for us, particularly if we're moving forward into a longer term, uh, either delivery model via online or even a longer term working from home model for our staff is how do you supplement the um, video um, and, and technology-based interactions with some form of human human contact? I don't have an answer for that question because we're, we're, we're working through that and we're now seeing that people are quite hungry to uh, to connect and reconnect. So I think it, what, what it will come down to is, is finding a balance between those, a balance between keeping people safe but also giving them those important opportunities for face-to-face and, and human interaction. I think the joy for us in all of that though is that we do have this technology solution to fall back on so that we can ensure continuity of service through this process and people uh, don't have to miss out in these periods where we're required to socially distance and socially isolate. One of the interesting things about the pandemic has been that while a lot of us have faced stress in our own lives as a result of it, we've known as well that practically everyone else we're interacting with is in a similar boat. You know, the phrase we're all in this together is being bandied about. It, it has been a difficult time for a lot of people and for some people financially quite onerous. But Brad, how important is it for people who are in a position to still help to, to remember that charities in some ways now more than ever do need any support that the community can give them? I talked earlier about silver linings from the um, COVID-19 crisis. I think what we have seen at an organisational level is communities have um, come together in ways, in, in different ways to the way they have before. They've they've hungered for that kind of almost neighbourly connection. You've seen a more localised connection between people. And I think that for us was an opportunity to to go to the community to with with asks for support. Um, we 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 have like many organisations fundraising appeals, but we also have appeals that talk to uh, donation of goods, um, non perishables, the type of emergency relief pantry. Uh, we we saw a, a deep desire from our communities, particularly in the regions that we support. Uh, to be reaching out and doing what they can, and and it didn't matter how large or small that was, those communities responded to the call. Um, I think my our experience has been that the communities in which we operate are incredibly generous and desire to assist, and it's critically important for organisations like Samaritans uh, and other agencies that work in space that we do that that community continues to support. Um, otherwise, whether it be volunteering, donations of cash or donations of good, we simply couldn't have the reach and the impact that we do without that. If people want to find out more about Samaritans, Brad, what's, what's the website? What's the best way for people to find out information about this amazing Australian organisation? Uh, deep dive into our website at www.samaritans.org.au. Uh, we'll open up the world of Samaritans for you. We also have the usual socials uh, that we can be followed on, uh, uh, search for Samaritans, Foundation Newcastle on Facebook and on Twitter um, and learn about what we do, uh, explore what we do, explore how you can contribute uh, and and think about uh, our own positions of privilege in that. Uh, the organisations like Samaritans and others like us are out there on the front line of community support all day, every day. And I think particularly in this period that we're experiencing the impacts of COVID-19, more and more people are experiencing uh, the, the vulnerability that comes from being in need. So it, it's 
wonderful organisation to lead. It's a wonderful organisation to see the impact we have on the community. So I welcome everyone to visit our website and... uh, and, and learn more. All power to you, Brad. The impact you have on the community in that area is is absolutely crucial. It's a great job that you do on behalf of the people you help across that New South Wales community. Sincere thanks, and thank you so much for joining us today on Telstra Behind the Mic. You're very welcome. It's been a great pleasure.